Today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, we'll discover how to change the way we minister to unbelievers. The church and the gathering of the believers has to communicate to the language of the non-believer that walks in. That is when the believers are edified and the non-believers finally say, God is truly amongst them. I want to know that God. Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, we've all been given gifts by God to help build the body of Christ and encourage others in the ways of the Lord. But as we'll discover today, in order for us to be effective in building the body, we need to focus and use our gifts in a way that others can understand. This message now is called Gifted to Build, and Mark's going to be teaching us how to communicate in ways that non-believers will understand. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Mark begins the message with a point about clarity and confusion. So the Apostle Paul goes on later on and says, I, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you, he says, but I'd rather speak five words in an intelligible language when we're gathered together than 10,000 in a language you cannot understand. The point the Apostle Paul was making is that when it comes to corporate gathering, we need to ask ourselves this question, am I edifying others or am I simply edifying myself? So he ends up this passage and he says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Point number two, not only does we triumph over me in the tension between self and community, but it also triumphs in the tension between clarity and confusion. Notice what he says in verse six. Now, brothers and sisters, you see the apostle Paul uses it too. He says, hey, bros and sis, see? Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know the tune that's being played unless there's a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for the battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I were not to grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker's a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is saying that if something brings confusion, you are to go with we versus me because clarity triumphs over confusion. If I were to speak in a language... If I were to come to you one Sunday morning to say, you know what, man, I just came back from Spain and I was worshiping God in Spain. It just felt so good to preach in Spanish and to worship God in Spanish. And I just, 
To me today, I just want to preach in Spanish. ¿Cuántos de los que están aquí hablan español? Levanta la mano si hablas español. Wow, man. Muchos habláis español, el lenguaje del cielo. Now I could go on and speak in Spanish because I know Spanish, I love Spanish, I grew up in Spanish, but I want to tell you something. If you only speak English here, I could jump and shout in Spanish. I could give one of the greatest messages you've ever heard. It could be so profound, so full of God, so full of the Spirit, so insightful, so encouraging. But if you don't understand my language, you're going to sit there and get nothing out of it. Now, I may get a lot out of it because it's edifying me. But if you don't understand the language that I'm speaking in, it doesn't edify you. And so I have to decide, am I going to do it for me or am I going to do it for you? And if I'm going to do it for you, then I need to speak in a language that you understand. Hello, are you tracking with me here? Now listen to me well. That does not just apply to tongues and prophecy. That applies to how we do church. Let me tell you why we do church the way we do church and do our gatherings the way we do our gatherings. This is really important. I'm, I'm talking to the church. Are you here church today? Okay, just making sure you showed up. Here's what I know every Sunday. I know every Sunday that there's people here that some of you have been believers for years. You have well-worn Bibles. You've memorized scripture. You know, you know the meaning of eschatology and you know hermeneutics and you know Bible study methods, and you know that pneumonology is the study of the Holy Spirit, and you know that eschatology is the study of the end times, and you know that ecclesiology is the study of the church, and you know those words, and you've studied, and you have learned about systematic theology, and you, you know about historic theology, and you know the doctrines and the nuances and the differences because you've been a believer a long time, and you're interested in the ten horns of Revelation and the prophecy of Daniel and trying to figure Figure that all out. And I know that. But I also know that every Sunday there's people that walk through these doors that don't even own a Bible. That this is the first time they've ever been in a Christian church. That they were out late at Lalos. <laughs> Dancing the night away and someone invited them to church and they thought, I need some God, but I don't know if I'm good enough for church and I haven't been to church in a long time and I'm not even sure if I would belong in church and if I would, if they would accept me in church and they walk in here with fear and trembling, they don't know the Bible, they better know that there is a Holy Spirit. They don't know how to look a chapter up in the Bible. All they know is I need God in my life, but I don't know anything about the Bible. So when I'm preaching to you on Sunday morning, I know there's those of you that have spent years and years in God and those of you that are just new Lalo people. And it's my desire to not try to impress the already converted and convinced and theologically sound people about how smart I am. Oh, I could use those words. I have a doctorate in theology. I've studied a long time. 
I've read the books. I've taught the books. I've taught at a Bible college. I could try to spend time impressing you of how much knowledge I know and how long I've been around. And I could use words that most of you probably would never heard of because you haven't studied in-depth theology. And all we'd walk away with in the end is how smart Dr. Job is. But you know what? It wouldn't edify anybody. It wouldn't build anybody up. No one would walk away loving Jesus more. Maybe you'd be impressed and say, oh, that Pastor Mark's a smart guy, but you wouldn't love Jesus anymore. Or I could say, you know what? My goal is to teach in a way that those that have known Jesus for a long time can get insight from the Word, but that that person that's never opened a Bible or cracked a Bible up in their life and is just here for the first time understands the powerful truth of the Word of God unpackaged in a way that they understand it for their life. So that when we walk out of this place, we're all saying together, isn't God good? That's my goal. And so the language that I use, well, I don't try to use language that people on the street couldn't understand because it makes no sense and no use to speak a language that doesn't connect with people that don't understand it. And so the language that I use and the way we do our service, we try to do our service in such a way that the person that has never had a religious experience, never walked into a Christian church, doesn't feel like I have to learn this whole culture and language and words and do stuff that I don't know how to do. But they walk in here and what I want them to feel is the love of God, the power of God, the calling of God, and the message of God coming clearly and powerfully to their soul and spirit. Amen? And that's what the Word of God says. In fact, later on in the chapter, the Apostle Paul says, what happens to a guest if they walk into your midst and everybody's shouting out in tongues? Have you ever been to a service like that? I have. You ever been to a service where you walk in and everybody's just screaming out in tongues? Some of you say, I love that. Everybody's charged up and everybody's going to town. I felt, ooh, I felt the spirit. Some of you love that because you feel like, wow, the energy, the power, the man is this great. But I'm going to tell you what, the person that doesn't know God and walks into a place where everybody's shouting out in tongues at the top of their lungs thinks everybody's nuts. They don't say, wow, this is great. Look at all these people yelling in some weird language. They say, get me out of here. This is scary. Are they going to pounce on me and I'm not going to get what they have? Let me, please, get me out of here. And that's what scripture says, that the unbeliever comes in and thinks you're crazy. Now you may say, well, I get a lot of out of it when it's like out of control like that. But the apostle Paul goes on to explain, no, no, the gifts of the spirit are not to be practiced that way. Because the church and the gathering of the believers has to communicate to the language of the non-believer that walks in. That the person from the outside has to be able to come in amongst you and understand what's going on and grasp the message of the gospel and be convinced that God is true and powerful and real and the message of the gospel would speak to their heart. That is when the believers are edified and the non-believers finally say, God is truly amongst them. I want to know that God. That's what we want to establish in this place, an atmosphere where the presence of the Spirit of God edifies believers but reaches 
non-believers as well. I love this church. You know why? I've been to a lot of churches that, well, that have years and years of the same people gathering together. But they seldom see a new person come to Christ or get baptized. Now, God bless a church that's been together for a long time. Everybody's cleaned up, knows the Bible, been together forever. But what happens when a church has been together for so long and it's all people that have been believers for 30 years? They all know the language. They all know the lingo. They pull out their study Bibles and get into the deep theology. But when someone that doesn't know Jesus walks in the door, they feel like, I don't belong in this place. Because no one seems to be able to relate to me. What I love about this church is that almost every Sunday, someone gives their life to Jesus. Every month, people get baptized that say, three months ago, I walked in this place and I was so far from God, didn't know anything about God. But Joe reached out to me, gave me my first Bible, sat down with me and started explaining the ways to God. And now... I've given my life to Jesus. I want to follow him, love him, and serve him. I have a lot of growing to do, but I want to follow God. I love that. So the apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 13, for this reason, the one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what then? I will pray with my spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing in the spirit, but I will also sing with understanding. And look at what he says in verse 16. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is who now is put in a position of the inquirer or the seeker say amen to your thanksgiving? Since they do not know what you are saying, you are giving thanks well enough but no one is edified. You see, the bottom line of the Apostle Paul, he's not really trying to argue between tongues and prophecy. He's simply saying that whatever gift you have, it needs to be used to edify the people that are around you. You're listening to Pastor Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. Today's message comes from our series called Gifted, and we'll continue in a moment. Here at Bold Steps Weekend, we want to provide you with a variety of tools designed to deepen your understanding of God's Word so you can practically apply what you're learning on this program to your daily life. One of those resources is a book written by our friend Todd Nettleton called When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. For more than 20 years, Todd has traveled the world interviewing and supporting persecuted Christians, and now he shares some of the most inspiring stories of faith, forgiveness, and courage straight from his personal journals. I'll tell you how you can request your copy later in the program, but right now let's jump back into today's study. Mark has more to say about using our gifts to their fullest potential. Here again is Bold Steps Weekend. About 12 years ago, a small Baptist church on the north side of Chicago called Galilee Baptist Church called us up. A fellow who was in his 70s called me up and he said, is this Pastor Mark? I said, yes. He said, you never, you don't know who I am, but I've heard of you. 
I'm a part of a small church here in the north side of Chicago near Damon and Wellington. We have about 30 people in our church. At one time, we were one of the largest churches in Chicago in the 1950s or 1960s. We packed them in in this place. The neighborhood has changed. We've gotten older. We're dying and moving to Florida. And so now what's left is just a core of senior citizens. We love God. We've had a lot of emphasis on missions, and these are dear people, but we are not reaching the community around us, and we know it. The average age of the community around us is 27. The average age of our congregation is 75. Would you come and help us? To be honest with you, I thought, I don't know. I'm not sure. At the time, we were just on the southwest side of Chicago, and I thought, boy, can we lead 30, 75-year-olds? I'm not sure we're a good match for that. But I went down and I sat down with Chuck, and I talked to him, and I said, Chuck, if you're asking me, can we reach the community, I'd love a shot at it. If you're asking me, will I just pastor a group of older people without bringing new people in, I won't be good at that. But if you believe us together to reach this community, I would be excited about that. And so Chuck invited us, and I sat down with those 30 older people, beautiful people, love God, been believers for a long time, and I said to them, listen, there's a community around the Lakeview neighborhood that needs Jesus, but they don't understand your music, they don't understand your style, and they don't understand your culture. So if we're going to try to reach out to them, you're going to have to give up things that you've held dearly to. You're going to have to give up some of your style that you've embraced because the style that's inside of the church doesn't really connect with the style that's outside of the church. So if you can see yourselves as missionaries to the community, this would work well. So they went from having an organ to bringing a band on stage. None of the older people liked it. <laughs> One lady told me she wore earplugs to worship every Sunday. But I'll never forget Chuck's response to me. Chuck said to me, Pastor, a few months into it, I love the fact that our nursery's full. I love the fact that there's kids in the Sunday school now. I love the fact that we've baptized 12 people already. I love the fact that people are coming to Jesus. I love the fact that people in the community are coming into the church. I love the fact that we're reaching out like never before. I don't like the music. <laughs> he said, but you know what I've decided? I will crank up my hymns on the way to church and listen to, oh, how great thou art and get my fill of hymns, and then come into the church and hear that rock band music. And then on my way out of church, I'll crank up the hymns again because it's not about me. It's about God, and it's about reaching our community. And if that's what it takes, I'll do it. I love that man. He's 84 years old, and that's what he said. It's not about me. Listen, 
maybe there's some of you here in this church that say, Pastor, well, really, what I like to listen to in my own private worship devotions is I like to listen to screamo headbanging music because that really ministers to my soul. Or maybe you say, you know, what really touches me is when I listen to Christian rap, and that really gets to me. But I, you know, it's the rap music, the sound that really, really touches me. Or maybe there's some of you that say, listen, I listen to orchestra music, and that really ministers and soothes my soul. Or maybe there's some of you here that say, you know, I, I like to listen to ranchero music, man. When the gospel ranchero music, man, it really touches my soul. And so there may be all kinds of extremes of the music that you like, but let me tell you why we do the music that we do. We do the music that we do, which is considered, I would say, light rock. We do the music that we do because the culture as a whole understands this music. And we take it and worship God through the style. Because we want the people out there to understand the message that we're communicating in here. Right? Do you realize that 100, 200 years ago, masses in Christian churches were done in Latin? How many of you knew that? And do you know that most of the people didn't speak Latin? And so people would sit there through a Latin service, not understanding a word that was saying because the priest thought it was better to speak in Latin. The Bible was written in Greek. I don't preach straight out of the Greek because no one here would understand what the Greek is saying. Not even if you're Greek would you understand because it's ancient Greek, not modern Greek. And so it would make no sense. I could say, well, I'm going to be true to the word, and I'm going to speak in Hebrew and Greek. And you would just sit there, okay. <laughs> so the big point that the Apostle Paul is making is that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to understand the language of the world and the people that we're ministering. If we were in the heart of Africa, our music would probably sound different and I'd speak different. If I was in the Congo, I'd be speaking to you in French right now because that's what people understand. So it's our goal not to water down the message of the gospel, but always to be true to the message of the gospel, but preach it and speak it and do it in a way that people understand it in our culture. Because Paul said, why would you do something that just benefits you when it's all about we and God and His purpose? The gospel's too important for people not to understand it. Amen? This is Bold Steps Weekend. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, who joins me again in the studio. Mark, I'm struck by what you said, that the gospel is too important for people not to understand it. It really is, and we struggle with it even in our churches. Uh, people walk in sometimes, and we use uh, language sometimes that people don't understand. Mm -hmm. uh, we do things in a way that the outsider thinks, what is this? <laughs> and I think that every church has to struggle with how do we both minister to the believers, but make sure that if people walk in from the outside, uh, it is touching their heart and clear to them as well. I, I have spent years in Chicago ministering 
catering to a very secular, unchurched society. And I'm very cognizant every time that I preach that there are people that have never been to a Christian church. In fact, I get it after service. They'll tell me, I've never been to a Christian church before. This is my first time. And so I I ask myself, oh, Lord Jesus, I don't want to be so uh, religious that they can't understand what I'm saying, but I want to be deep enough so that we're educating and, and building up the body of Christ. And there's a tension there sometimes. It's a great challenge, and we all need to do that. Yes, we do. And so uh, this is a great reminder, and the Apostle Paul is really telling b- believers that, is that if what you're doing in your service just edifies you, but it's not building others up and it's not connecting the gospel with people, then you need to put the corporate good before your own good. All right, thank you, Mark. And as a supplement to your local church, we'd like to invite you to keep listening to Bold Steps. And if you'd like to learn more about Mark Job or the ministry of Bold Steps Weekend, be sure to visit us online at boldstepsweekend.org. We'd love to be able to encourage you and pray for you and your family. Again, you'll find us at boldstepsweekend.org. And then with just a few minutes left, let me give you our contact information so you can request the book I mentioned earlier in the program. It's our bold action gift. It's called When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. You can request this powerful book when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps Weekend. To make that donation and request this bold action gift, call us at 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or donate online at boldstepsweekend.org. And if it's easier, you can send your donation through the mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. I'm Wayne Shepard. On behalf of the entire team, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next weekend when we conclude this series. Our message will focus on unleashing power people. It's coming up next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.